Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw. Nice. Caught by Get Green. It, it is a yeah. touchdown! Adriel Jeremiah Green. Hello and welcome to episode 101, oh yes, of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. Now then, um, as you can imagine, uh, there's a lot to talk about in this episode because uh, we tied, we had a score draw with the Philadelphia Eagles last night, a 23-23 tie, which was uh, massively unsatisfactory, I think. Uh, only because I think that game was there for the taking. And here to discuss... My name's Paul Hirons, by the way. Hello. And uh, here to discuss all the comings and goings here with me is Nathan Palmer. Hello, Nathan. Hello, my son. Um, what an evening. And I think, you know, all of us sat here today with a lot to say and a, a lot of thinking, a lot of um, a lot of emotional energy that's gone into the last 24 hours, I think. Oh, it was so there for the taking, wasn't it? It was it felt a real soul crusher when when uh, when that final whistle blew or time expired or whoever. And you know, both teams had their chances in overtime. The Bengals, I think, had the ball three times, and each time you kind of think, "Right, well, this is it. We can put something together. Just get to that 35-yard line. Come on!" And it didn't happen. And of course, the Eagles, conversely, uh, had the chance to kick uh, a long field goal. Uh, a penalty took them back to the 64-yard line, or what would have been a 64-yard field goal. And uh, Doug uh, Pedersen—is that his name? Peterson, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Hear him. <laughs> The head coach. <laughs> he, just, call him Doug, just call him Doug, my son. We'll go with that. Well, Doug, my son, had um, had he had, he could have kicked it, and he took the very conservative way and uh, decided not to. And then, of course, giving us one last chance with twenty seconds left. I mean, goodness me, there was a sack and there was all sorts going on, and uh, Joe Burrow was put on his ass eight times last night there was about i think there was about 11 qb hits or something like no hold on there's some obscene amount of qb hits yesterday um i don't know where to start with this one nathan so you're gonna have to help me out on on here um well just just going back to what you were saying son i think it's a really good point it hasn't been talked about much we we dodged a bullet with that jake elliott 59 yard field goal because i reckon jake elliott i was sat there watching it and i was like we talked extensively about two weeks ago on episode 99, I think it was, about um, Jake Elliott and the comparison between him and Bullock. And it just seemed too fitting that Elliott in overtime with seconds remaining was going to kick a 59-yarder against his old team. And we all know that Elliott's got the leg. Um, and I really would have fancied him to, uh, to nail that. So the full start there really... I mean, that's literally that geezer in the line has given that away. That's almost a win right there because I would have, I really would have backed Elliot to nail that. So we we did get away with one, really, to even come away with a tie there. I thought. Absolutely. Uh, before we get into it, I should mention that we do have a special guest today. It's uh, the brilliant Lindsay Patterson who joins us once again. Uh, I spoke to her earlier on today, uh, and she was going into work. Actually, it was a very nice conversation. Nice to see a bit of Cincinnati in the background. And uh, obviously, there's a lot of correspondence, a lot. So 
stand by your beds for that. Now, all of it not necessarily happy correspondence, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, it was a sticky first half. The defence was playing well. Carl Lawson was constantly getting in Carson Wentz's face. Uh, he had two sacks for the day and could have had three if it wasn't for a penalty. Uh, you know, three sacks in total for the Bengals. Uh, you know, uh, eight or nine, I believe, QB hit. So they were certainly getting to Wentz and putting some pressure on. Logan Wilson had his first ever career interception. Um, defense was playing well. Uh, offense couldn't run it again. They couldn't protect Burrow. I mean, Joe Burrow took an absolute cruncher, didn't he? It was, a, it was almost like that uh, Shazir hit on Gio Bernard uh, back in 2015. Uh, it wasn't illegal, but goodness me, it was really close to being uh, an objectionable offence. That was like the like geezer getting it by a car. I mean, he literally, that geezer absolutely nailed it. Both because he, Burrow was completely defenceless as well. His body was in a position where he was just moving forward, wasn't really like bracing himself for the hit. And he just got absolutely destroyed. I mean, the flag was called, cool, but I, mean, I, I think on, on another day, that geezer from the Eagles could have been thrown out for that. I mean, it was well, only it, was, it was too late. Uh, yeah, I think he the, the thing that about geezer, that The hit. ball would have gone, the ball would have been gone for a couple of yeah. so That guy could have easily sort of like ducked his head down there a bit and like lessen the severity of that. I mean, when Burrow was on the floor after that, I thought, I looking at it, I was like, shit, he's injured here. Like, he's going to be out for a few games. And, not just that here, you alluded to it a minute ago. If we keep playing like this, and I mean, Joe Burrow, the other, it's, it's easy to put this on the line, and the line's been poor. Like, there's no doubt in that, and we'll get into the line. But you've got to look at Joe Burrow. He's thrown it 141 times hmm. in three games, which is the second most in the NFL, only behind um, Dak Prescott. If he keeps going at this rate, of you know, 140 in three games. The geezer's gonna with behind this line, he ain't making it 16 games, and he's gonna he's gonna get some nasty injuries off the back of it because there's some big lads on the uh, defensive side of the ball around the league, and it's not a smart approach for his career and for the longevity of his career to be taking those sort of shots. So the Bengals need to balance this out. They need to get the run game going. You can't have um, Joe Burrow throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game. You just can't have it. <laughs> like if you've got no, to give the, Joe, Joe Mixon's got to be getting 20, 25 carries. You've got to be giving Gio a few carries. You've got to, you've got to try and level it out a bit and get, I think the run game just got to get going. It can't, I mean, Burrow has been phenomenal, but we've got to balance that offense out a bit. It cannot be as one dimensional as it is at the minute. But the trouble is every time Joe Mixon got the ball yesterday, uh, there were two or three people in his face in the backfield immediately. Um, yeah. So I think all the problems actually start and finish with the offensive line. Um, they're not giving Burrow enough time to set and pass. It's all about getting the ball out super quickly within like about two seconds. That doesn't give you wide receivers who, with John Ross off the field, uh, aren't the speediest bunch in the world. Um, you know, you need to give them a couple of seconds to get downfield and get some separation. Um, yeah. uh, and also, you know, you need an offensive line to protect Burrow because even though we're not going to the Super Bowl this year and very unlikely to win more than six games this, this year now, let's be honest, um, you've got to protect him for the future. Otherwise, you look at sort of Sam Darnold, you look at Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck, fantastic yeah. player. 
had to finish early because of injuries and a poor offensive line. Sam Darnold, you know, what was he, top five pick? Um, and he looks as though his mind is shot, basically, and that's a real shame. And you just don't want that to happen to to Burrow because in that second half especially, I every time he did go back to a pass, when, when our half, you know, they obviously had made half-time adjustments and um, uh, and Billy Price had come in for Fred Johnson, the protection did improve and they gave him enough time just about to to start throwing the ball a bit. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but I thought, God, this guy doesn't look as though he's going to miss a pass. And miss, do you know what I mean? Every pa- I think there was a, a sequence where he, there was, he completed 12 passes in a row and that... Suddenly, the momentum was with the Bengals. The defense was on top. Uh, LeSean Sims had that interception uh, in the second half. T. Higgins scored a couple of touchdowns, which was great for him. Um, and we just looked, I just honestly thought, we're going to win this game. And we look like a proper team. Um, yeah. But, you know, and then it seemed to me that the Eagles made some adjustments late in that fourth quarter, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Because if you remember, they were, Burrow was just seemingly finding Tyler Boyd every every on every pass, and um, I think the Eagles made some some adjustments because suddenly Brandon Graham was getting through. On I think they might have shifted actually Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham a little bit further onto our right hand on some of the gaps on our right hand side of our line because suddenly they were just basically walking through and sacking Joe Burrow in that certainly in overtime and towards the end of the fourth quarter so I think you've got to credit the Eagles for making some adjustments but as I said before we've got to get that offense I don't care about the defense the defense will take care of itself you know but out of everything we have to get that offensive line sorted or else as you say Burrow is not going to last the season it's not just his physical health it's his mental uh, fortitude as well going forward um, goodness me we've got to get that sorted and I don't know how yeah, we're going to do it I, I think I mean, you look at Andy Dalton Andy Dalton was horrendous last year behind this line the line last year that was worse than this I think I mean at least this year you've got Jonah Williams in there I playing. disagree on... I, think they're, I think they're worse this year you look at the amount of well, pressures and hits I mean they should but up. the thing is they should be better I mean you've got Jonah Williams in there is an upgrade on what we had with Andre Smith last year you've got Michael Jordan's got another year under his belt yeah Xavier Suofilo effectively should be um, better than the options last year. That's why they brought him in. I mean, Bobby Hart's, you know, sort of consistently. I mean, they might be playing worse so far, but I mean, by all accounts, the Bengals would have thought what they got was better. But, I mean, Dalton, you look at him last year, he was shocking because he just he was just running all the time. Mm. And he's not as athletic as Joe Burrow. He's not got the tools. And not only is he not as athletic as Joe Burrow, he didn't have any play. He had no AJ Green for him last year. You know, he had John Ross was out for a lot of last season. Mm. He literally had Tyler Boyd as about his only geezer he was throwing the ball to last year. I mean, and Andy, I'm not saying Andy Dalton is a top caliber quarterback, but he was a hell of a lot better than what he showed last year. And I think to touch on Joe Burrow just quickly, I mean, we don't even need to talk about Joe Burrow. He's the best Bengals player I've seen in 16 years that just come into the club. I mean, he's incredible. He, he just. The poise, 
the control of the offense, the quality, the accuracy, yeah. the leadership is just first class. It's incredible. And he's going to be the quarterback in Cincinnati for as long as he wants to be because he's an he's an absurd talent. And if we, we need to keep him upright and, you know, this is the biggest investment we've had ever. Yeah. Like he he's as good, if not a better prospect than Carson Palmer was when we drafted him number one overall. You know, you've just got to keep this guy healthy and we'll be very good. Carson Palmer, in 2005, we had a team that could have won it all. There's other years, even with Carson Palmer, that we possibly could have gone further as well. You know, if we keep Joe Burrow there, I think he's probably a better prospect than Palmer. We're going to have years where we can be there. But we've, like you said, we've got to protect him. And I think... The one thing I'll say, and we've said this, and you don't want to be the sort of armchair analyst too much on this, but we, but we, a lot of people before the season, everyone likes to be positive, but you look at that line, what they were dialing up there, and I just think everyone questioned it. Everyone was like, if you look at it on paper, it's it's bad on paper, and I think whoever sat there in the office behind the scenes and been like, right, we've got Jonah Williams here, fine, first round pick, top ten <laughs> pick, but he's not played a game ever in the NFL, so we don't really know what we've got. You've got Mike Jordan, who's a fourth-round pick, who was pretty bad last year. Now, OK, you want him to come on, but again, he's a fourth-rounder that played badly last year. So, OK, that's a bit of a gamble right there. You're hoping he improves significantly. Trey Hopkins is bang average. I mean, at the best, he's probably the only player you'd say in, was in that category. You brought in Suofilo, who's hardly like a big name, very sort of average guy, not by any means, a high-caliber starter. And then we all know what we've got with Bobby Hart. Now, that on paper is a poor offensive line. So you're hoping that either what, a couple of those guys seriously play up from what they showed have showed in the past, you know, or you're buggered. And the, the one problem I've got with it is that the depth, that someone on that line is going to get hurt. I like say uh, Suofilo did. You you've got to have some strength in depth. Some of these guys like Mike Jordan and um, you know people like that, they'd be decent backups. You want a Kevin Zeitler in there that I know has been sort of flat around. But if you look who's behind these geezers, if any of them get hurt, God forbid, like if Jonah Williams goes down or it, Mike Jordan or Hopkins, you have got a sixth rounder in Hakeem Adeniji who's never played in the NFL before. Billy Price, who we all know is not, is really just not that got it. And Shaq Calhoun, who we got off the Dolphins, who was undrafted. And by all accounts, reading every um, thing about him I've read from Dolphins fans, was really poor for them. So it's like, God, if, what, what sort of like, where's the investment there? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's really hard to look at that from the Bengals front office and be like, what, what have they thought there? Where, where's the... Whose decision is that? Is it Jim Turner's? Is it Duke Tobin's? Is it Zach? Like, which person has sat down and said, we're happy with this. This is going to keep our biggest ever investment, first overall pick, Joe Burrow, upright, healthy, give him chance to throw, and it's going to be significantly better than what we had last year, which was pretty atrocious. Well, it's interesting you say all that. Um I can't disagree with any of it, really. Uh, and it was always a knock from national analysts. We got a lot of attention in the off-season and we defended the club and whatnot. And a lot of people said, you know, um, Joe Burrow against Cincinnati, great, he's a great player, but have they invested in the line? No, they haven't. Now, there was some optimism because the line played a lot better in the back stretch of last season. I think that's probably where the decision was taken not to upgrade in terms of high draft picks because they thought, okay, this line functioned last year. We got 
Joe uh, Joe uh, Mixon had a fantastic end of last year, um, uh, and things improved. And you kind of think, okay, if they can carry that improvement on to this year, then we've got an average line, and that'll be okay. But the way they played in the in the in the first three games, I mean, I think I think there's a stat going around today that. Joe Burrow is projected to pass for four and a half thousand yards, but take seventy-five sacks. <laughs> and that's oh, in a season, not in a game. Although it kind of feels like in a game at the moment. Um, and you're right. I mean, this neatly segues. There's a lot of chat about you know Zach Taylor, his game plan, his offensive play calling. Jim Turner. Now, obviously, you want you want a position coach to get the best out of that group, even if they're not like the big names or high draft picks or whatever. It doesn't, you know, as we all know, drafting highly doesn't guarantee you to be a great player in the NFL. Um, we, you've got to get the best out of that position group, and I have to say, so far, Jim Turner has not got the best out of that position group. Far from it, and. Uh, there has been a regression from last year, which is d- a difficult thing to say when you think about, you know, who we had on that, like, you know, John Jerry, Andre Smith. It was a Jesus. It was a patchwork offensive line last year. But as I say, towards the back end of last year, they all actually looked okay. But I don't know what's happened this year. I really do not know what's happened. Dave Lapham, who um, our old friend Big Lap, uh, Jupiter Fist. Uh, Dave Lapham. Um, he, I've been listening to the Bengals Booth podcast that he does with Dan Hoard. The week before last, he said he was surpri- surprising me actually how critical he's he's being of the coaching staff without actually saying it. But he's sort of saying that he's surprised they haven't stuck with the um, the pin and pull scheme that they instituted late last year. Uh, and he said uh, in the Philadelphia game, there was plenty of pull, but not a lot of uh, pin. You know, they were pulling, but they weren't able to stop these guys. Um, and then it just begs the question: Where do you go now? Because as you say, a lot of people, yep. a lot of people are talking about, oh, we've got to get other people in, but you're not going to get other people in this this time of the year. Uh, no, I agree. So what are you going to do, personnel wise? Uh, Dave Lapham kind of is a big advocate of bringing back Alex Redmond because he said at least he's a finisher when it comes to blockers. He, yes, he commits penalties. Yes, he gets a little bit over-exuberant. Yes, he's susceptible to injury. But he does wonder whether that's the best option. And uh, Lindsay's got a few think- ideas. But you're right, the depth isn't there. The personnel at this moment in time isn't there and they're not gelling and they're not doing their jobs and you just fear for Burrow because it's not just this year you want to keep him upright so he has a a good rookie season gets his confidence uh, and then going into next year that's when he really starts to to play well because Joe Burrow as I say at the end of that Chargers game it it felt different to me the way the offense was moving the ball on that last drive against the Chargers it felt like they it was really intense, quick. Uh, they were just sort of scything through that Chargers defense when they couldn't do it for the rest of the game, quite frankly. Uh, and then against the Eagles as well, that second half, 
there seemed to be like an intensity that we've not had on offense for a, for quite a while actually yeah. uh, and it was exciting and it was great to watch and you know you got wrapped up in that intensity it's like bang Tyler Boyd 12-yard gain bang Tyler Boyd 18-yard gain bang it was thrilling the bang touchdown tea time tea higgins time for tea <laughs> two lumps tea um high tea um creamy tea that's, a, that's what that's i a, was feeling that's a that's great gag for the british Bengals fans over here and it like i, I see that guy on a t-shirt oh we're not going to waste that opportunity uh <laughs> and when he scored the second touch and i can tell you it was cream tea in this household i, I tell you um anyway um but yeah it was like that was exciting they were actually moving the ball and and yet adjustments were made on the other side. And but as I say, out of everything, they've got to get the offensive line sorted somehow. You know, yeah, put I extra mean, I, blockers I think... in there, abandon the the kind of five wide. You know, because that kind of takes out. You know, that's almost like zero protection. You know what I mean? There's no extra protection. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know how they're going to do it because they've been so poor. But they're going to have to, and they're going to have to do it in a hurry. I think you made a really good point there about you're not. I mean, everyone. I think the the natural reaction and the easy way. I think people are thinking is look, let's let's explore a trade here. Who's on the open market? And there, there's a couple of guys that are on the street, and there's a couple of guys you could potentially trade for. I mean, I know a lot of people have talked about Kevin Zeitler as coming back from the Giants. By all accounts, you know they look pretty rough this year at zero and three. But I mean, are you really going to be trading away? I think people are talking about like, what, what would it would it take? Maybe a third rounder for a guy, you yeah. know, a thirty year old guard. I mean, the, the Bengals are in rebuild mode. We're probably going to be drafting in the top ten. I would say the way the way mm. it's going at the moment, certainly top half. Are you giving up a high for a third round pick for a guy? And by all accounts, Zeitler's <coughs> a good player. We know what he, the sort of player he is mm. from what he, his time here. It was a disaster to let him go but do you want to really go and spend a high third round pick on a guy that's going to be 31 next year who's on a fair whack of a salary I mean I just it's not going to help us the only thing it's doing for this season is trying to ensure that Joe Burrow doesn't get hurt Hmm. Um, I'm just not sure that the Bengals are going to explore that option there's a couple of guys that are free agents you know really are there going to be guys out there at this stage in the season that are going to come in and really significantly up that uh, upgrade that line? I'm really not sure. And I mean, when you're talking about Alex Redman, this is a guy that got cut that was deemed to be a worse option than Hakeem Adeniji, um, Fred Johnson, Billy Price, or Shaq Calhoun. So if the Bengals coaches have evaluated, I know that I know Redman knows the system and stuff, but we all know that he isn't the answer. Um, I think the only way I think the only way to get new personnel in is to trade some draft picks. That's the only way, really, unless yeah. it's a... Who's giving up, up geezers, though? For, I mean, at this stage in the season, it's only going to be a team that's on the on the decline. And like, like we just said, are you? we're going to be picking high next year. You're not going to get too many quality starters out there that are going to be shipped unless you're offering up big, big things. I mean, quality offensive linemen are scarce. Mm. You, you, people just ain't floating them about and when we're talking about like oh trade John Ross John Ross would get you a sixth round pick mm. and you'd be laughing for that yeah. he's you're not you're not trading anyone for a decent starting caliber tackle guard center whatever it is mm. for John Ross you wouldn't even get really too much for AJ Green either certainly from what we've seen in three games and I, I really just don't think that's the answer so mm. knowing the Bengals knowing the situation they're in the sort of 
trend, like where they are in their sort of quote quote process of rebuilding, they ain't shipping out any draft picks for. No, you're right. So, but how are they? It comes back to it then. How the hell are they going to improve it? Improve that line? Are they? Are they going to get? Let's talk about. Well, no, I must say, our Andrew Docker made a really good point uh, in like message group. He kind of said, "Look, OL line play throughout the league is pretty duff." Um, but this, I mean, this trouble is with the bank. Yes, that's a really good point. Um, so we shouldn't just judge the Bengals in in isolation. But the fact is, they're they're gonna they're on course for a hist- another historically bad year. Um, uh, fire Jim Turner. That seems to be getting some traction. I did fire Zach Taylor as well. I have to say, I mean, I thought there were some good performances yesterday. Burrow was exceptional. I think. T. Higgins, you know, good for him, getting a couple of touchdowns. Um, Geo on that 40-yard little dink pass that he steamed up the middle on, on a He's third. still got the speed to get. Oh, right? yeah, real eye-opening. That's why you kind of think, get him into space and he'd be a wrecker. Um, I think we've got to give Geo some carries, man. I really do. Like, I think we need to give Mixon. <laughs> Mixon's getting the bulk of them, but... I really think Gio deserves some carries. When he gets his chances, he's he's an elusive guy. He's still, as we saw yesterday, got the speed. I'd love to see him be given a few more carries. I know they've paid Mixon to be this bell cow guy, but through three games, it, it really has been poor. And I just think there's no harm giving the guy some well, looks, maybe some balls on the outside, get him a bit of space to run into. I just think we've got to try something different. Well, I say this for Mixon. I don't think he's doing much wrong at the moment because there's just nothing to run run through. And um, you know, especially last night, every time he got the ball, pretty much there was a couple of guys in his face in the backfield. So again, I, I, I don't I, disagree with you, but he's just not he's not <coughs> making anything happen, is he? There's not. But how are you with a couple of guys in your face when well, he's I, I immediately it's, I, in the backfield? As as Docker said, there's a lot of other lines around the league that are not up to much, and you see some running backs out there that smashing it and just getting in space, being used in the passing game a bit more. Like I just think with Mixon, like it's too early. I'm not going to go into some big thing on him yet, but he he needs to be on the goal line. He's had a couple of touches down there. He just needs to knock a couple of guys over, Derek Henry style, or whatever it needs to be. To my, I know it's hard for the geezer. He's not going to be knocking out 150-yard games. I don't think anyone expects that. But I just through three games, obviously had that uh, costly fumble as well, just haven't seen what I want to see from a top five mm. calibre running back in terms of what we paid him. I really haven't. I haven't you know, and I think we just want to see more from him. You know, And I, that's my issue there because we can't keep – just putting this on Joe Burrow, the geezers. I mean, Joe Burrow. No, I agree that with same, that. Absolutely. Joe, Joe Burrow's behind that same offensive line, you know, and he's making stuff happen. He's spinning around like some lunatic on the sideline, dropping balls down the field. You know, he's making it happen. He's going above and beyond what's being given to him. You know, the geezers getting sacked eight times. He's thrown for 300 yards. He didn't have a preseason. Like, I'm, Joe Mixon's got to play better. I think he knows it. Um, I thought uh, Mackenzie Alexander played very well yesterday. Um, I thought the linebackers did pretty well. Jermaine Pratt flashed. Uh, Logan Wilson obviously got the interception. They were flying around from side to side. One really great thing, um, Akeem Davis-Gaither got beat on a wheel route uh, and went. it would have been a, a touchdown, no problem, but uh, Wentz overthrew him. They tried that play again and ADG covered him step for step. It was brilliant. And this is a linebacker covering... Uh, a tight end, I think it was. So, um, 
Again, lots to kind of like. Carl Lawson had a terrific game. Carlos Dunlap, yeah, who's fantastic, wasn't he? Carlos Dunlap, who has been anonymous in the first two games, had a good game yesterday. Um, so there's plenty to like again. You know, again, Burrow, Gray, all these things. But um, the defense, you... I thought, was very good. I thought, for the most part, generally I mean, speaking, I, yeah, 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 definitely. yeah. There's a couple of obviously slip ups at the end, at the end of the half. Well, the, the last the, that they, slip they, up they at the end of the Car- half, Carson Wentz's life a nightmare. Yeah. They really did make his not like he had a long day, Carson Wentz. And I think that after a poor performance the week before, they I thought overall the defense was a lot better. And yet, at the end of each half, there was a blown coverage where it, speculation is that Lou Anarumu kind of got too cute in his uh, in his play calling. At the end of that first half, he showed man, but then uh, kind of it, the play developed and it was actually his zone coverage and they just weren't on the same page. That was unforgivable. Two defensive pass uh, interference style. I think one was illegal contact and one was pass interference, but two more or less back-to-back on that final drive kind of killed us. Now... That's down to coaching, isn't it? That's down to... Or is it? I don't know. Because we also, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, got down inside the Eagles 10 twice in that second half and came back with six points instead of 14. And that's probably where the game was won and lost, our inability to convert uh, those chances when all the momentum was with us and we were playing really well. Um, Yeah. Um, I think I, I think that's know. it for the Bengals, isn't it? It's just getting that over the line. We but have, how we do just, you do that? Said, how do you well, do and that? Well, it's, it's silly mental errors, isn't it? I mean, I remember it was first and goal at the four-yard line for yeah, us, yeah. right? We're up by four. There's about five minutes left to go. So you've got four yards to go here. If you score a touchdown, by all accounts, 98% you win that game. You know, you go up by 11 points. I don't see how the Eagles come back from that and score... Um, touchdown, two-point conversion, and a field goal in that short space of time. And Billy Price full starts. And then there was a sack, wasn't there? Then there's a sack, like you said. And then it's like, right, we're kicking a field goal here. We're up by seven. And it's just silly errors like that. You know, we... We had chances yesterday to just kill them off throughout the game. We, I think we were the we were the better team for me. We just did, couldn't figure out a way to just close the game out. And I think that's what happens when you've won two, what two or three games in the last twenty or so. You just haven't got that yeah. belief or just whatever it takes to just close it out confidently. And I think. That it's a shame, you know, because I think once we got a win under our belt here, we would start to really build some momentum. But and confidence as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think Ben Baby, I'm sure, came out and said yesterday that that the Bengals have set a record for the most games lost by one score. I think it's something crazy, like ten games or something like that. And and that's the thing, really, isn't it? It's not like we're getting blown out by 30 points each week and we're sat there scratching our head. I mean, these are all games that are very, very winnable. I mean, we could easily be 2-1 and one now. Easily be 2-1. Mm-hmm. and one. And I think that's the frustrating thing here is that there's some really good players on this team. And I think with some quality coaching, game plans, schemes, whatever you want to call it, I really think we've got a chance to be an 8-8 eight and eight team this year. But I think that's the frustration at the moment is that we're not getting 
the most out of these guys. We're not executing and we're not finishing what we could do. And I think that's where people are getting a little bit pissed. Uh, Zach Taylor is now winless in the first 11 one-season possession games of his career. The Bengals have now gone 15 consecutive one-possession games without a victory. This is from Paul Dana's uh, article in The Athletic today. That ties for the longest such streak in the history of football. Leather helmets, the invention of the forward pass. Uh, the only other team with such an inability to win close games was the 1938-41 Chicago Cardinals. So that kind of says it all. Um, when uh, in one mentioned that they got inside the 10-yard line, there was a fade to Auden Tate that didn't work. A run, I believe, from Mixon that went backwards. And then there was a fade again on third down. And that's such a risky play, I think. Um, it's just, I don't know, the play... I like Zach Taylor, as you know. I'm a big fan of his. Um, my problem is that these one uh, one possession uh, losses is happening exactly the same as they did last year. And that and the influx of new players means that this shouldn't be happening again this year. And that says to me there's a problem with coaching. And I'm starting to get a little bit worried about play calling. I'm starting to get a little bit worried about the game prep. Because, again, it took ages for the offense to click into gear. Uh, I know that you've got to, you can only take what the defense gives you, but... Man, it took it took that offense a long time to get into gear, as it has done the first three games. You know, uh, actually, no, that's wrong. I'll take that back because they they went down and scored, had a good drive in the in the first uh, second game against Cleveland. But do you know what I mean? I'm st I'm just starting to get a little bit worried about the coaching. Yeah, I com I completely agree with you. I mean, I I think I'm really seesawing at the moment between being quite firmly like. I'm not happy with this at all when I'm very, very concerned to like, oh, you've got to give him some time. But it's just not – it doesn't look – the thing for me is it never looks that encouraging. I don't ever watch us and think, actually, we've got a pretty rough team here, but Taylor's – get these guys look absolutely like they'd run through a wall for him and they're playing really well and there's some amazing play calls out there and there have been some quality personnel decisions made and – stuff like that it, it just worries me that uh, the lack of progress like you said earlier about the offensive line that's clearly not improved if anything it's regressed um john ross has not gone forward at all they've not been able to get him right in a year and a half taylor's been here to the point that he was benched yesterday and he had a, a healthy scratch which for a, you know a former top 10 overall <laughs> pick is pretty crazy and I just, I don't know, it just, we can't win games. And I think that's it, isn't it? There's so many, you know, American football, there's so many geezers in the team that make it up and so many different facets that ultimately you can only just point at the coach. You know, he talks to all those guys, he puts together his coordinators, they plan the game out and, you know, you've got to execute. And if you don't execute, you know, you can look at individuals and you can look at the player, but the buck does stop with a coach. And I think, you know, Taylor's got two wins to his name in uh, 19 games, is it now? It's got to come soon. 
It really has. And it's got a, it's, and the thing is that they'll win games this year because Joe Burrow will win them on his own. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Joe Burrow is an extraordinary talent. I think you could probably have one, me or you coaching the team, son, and he'll win a game or two. Like, <laughs> he's just far. that good. Yeah. He's yeah. that good. He's got, I mean, we're fully healthy on offense. You take Suofilo out, I mean, pretty much fully healthy. I mean, obviously, um, Uzama. But, you know, you've got weapons out there. You've invested heavily. You've got AJ Green on the franchise tag. You took T. Higgins 33rd overall. You've got Ross. You've got fantastic Tyler Boyd. I mean, you've got Joe Mixon, who we've paid to be a top five running back. That offense with Joe Burrow, we're going to win games. But the question is, is, is Taylor getting the most out of this team? Is he making the team, you know, better than the sum of all parts or whatever the phrase is? And I think at the moment it's a resounding no. Now, if we win five games, because Burrow, you know, is able to turn over the Giants, the Jets, maybe. Um, the, I think we play the Dolphins. Dolphins. You'd fancy us to probably beat them. The Jags this week's going to be a game you don't. We could win. You got the. I think you got the Washington Football Team in there at some point. Yeah. So you're going to win some games. There's no doubt about that. And then I think it's going to be a very, very interesting decision as we go into the off season because we don't want to start talking about anything like that yet, but. Joe Burrow, is, the time is already ticking. I think Andrew Dockerell said this. Um, we're hyping him up a bit on this podcast, aren't we? But he was like, you know, and he made a really good point. He's like, the clock has already started on Joe, Burrow, uh, Joe Burrow's rookie contract. And if we're going to win, we've got a lot of money that we can invest into other players yeah. and around the roster because he's on this rookie contract. If Joe Burrow is the player we think he is after three games, when that contract runs out, he's probably going to be the highest played player in the league. And you're not going to have as much money. So you've got to get it right in the first couple of years in this contract. Because if it turns out that Taylor is not the right guy and we waste two years trying to find that out, then you've got to get a new guy. Then he's got to be the right guy. Then he's got to mesh with Burrow and, you know, really get there. It's going to be a costly exercise if we get it wrong. So not to rush anything and not to panic. And I'm not sitting here yet saying I resoundingly think Taylor should go. I'm not saying that at all, but he needs to turn it around and he's not got long. I do think everything, as I say, starts and ends with that offensive line. You get, I don't care how they do it. Um, they've got to start cheating. Well, I know you're a big advocate of cheating, Nathan. And, uh... I don't even care, mate. I would have happily cheated yesterday for a win. <laughs> no, they need to get it sorted because, like, suddenly Burrow's got a bit more time, as I said earlier, to throw the ball. The receivers have got a bit more time to run their routes and get some bloody separation. Uh, and yeah. then suddenly there's a few lanes, at least, for Joe Mixon to run through. It, it yeah. starts and ends with that offensive line. Now, I haven't quite seen... I am a bit worried about Zach, I have to say, but I want him to succeed. I'm desperate. I really like him. The You know, the way he's treated us has been unbelievable, and I really like the guy. There's nothing more than I... I you know, I really do want him to succeed. Oh, um, I completely agree. But, you know, the same mistakes are happening last year, and, you know, there's a lot of new players in. So, again, I'll, I'll repeat this. That says to me that it's a coaching thing rather than a player's thing. Um, and also I've not really seen this hyped innovation and innovative offense that we were kind of promised. Now I know he was hamstrung last year because obviously he, he he didn't really know the players that he was inheriting, started the job late, no fault of his own or the club's own. Um, and, but this year, you know, and of course he didn't really have the players last year to implement his plans, but I still couldn't tell you 
what his plans are. I don't know what. I don't quite know the identity that he's trying to forge with this offence. Now, I hope it clicks because when it has clicked in that final drive against, say, the Chargers, uh, parts of the Cleveland game, pretty much all of that second half um, uh, last uh, yesterday, it's thrilling to watch and it just gives you a glimpse at what they can achieve. So I really hope they can... Uh, I just hope everything clicks, man. But as I say, they've got to get that offensive line sorted out and and sorted quickly. Right. Uh, I agree. I've got I've got a question for you, my real son. Quick, just then. before before we move on to the next segment of the show. Yes. Question for you. One thing that concerns me, and I'll be yeah. I'll be interested to get your opinion on it. And I think shaping the way we play at the moment is I think this wide receiver core looks pretty slow. And you can see that with the amount of passes downfield. I mean, Geo's pass yesterday, which was rather fortunate for the statisticians to give Boa a 40-plus yard pass, got him it. But are you concerned with the speed on those wide receivers and their ability to get open downfield? Because it's all well and good Burrow hitting these, you know, short uh, dink and donk passes. But, like, we've got to open it up downfield a bit. Does You know, is Burrow taking too long in the pocket because no one's open? Is that why he's getting hit so I think, much? I think, I think there's a slight element of that. That's a really good point. Um, I am a little bit worried, um, but it was better yesterday. It was better, but still, we haven't got that big play. I think, I think we just need AJ to get that rust off and start, you know, he was up against a very good cornerback yesterday, so it was a good battle uh, between those two. Uh, but yeah, you want someone who can stretch the field a little bit, and I'm not sure Mike Thomas or Alex Erickson. I quite like Thomas actually. I think he's a, he's a pretty good player. He's got a bit of shift. He's got a bit of uh, quick quickness to him, I think, but not kind of blazing down the field speed. Um, yeah. I don't know, which is just a shame. It's just, and that just says that it's a shame that John Ross hasn't put it together because, uh, you know. I don't know. It's just, it's a shame. What, what do you me. make of what do you make of him being inactive yesterday? Yeah, I don't disagree with it. I didn't disagree with it. Um, I thought actually the receivers did okay. Mostly Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd had a, obviously had a terrific game. So, uh, but yeah, that's a slight worry. That's a slight worry. And you just want AJ to get back. And perhaps as Higgins, I know he's not like a real speedster, but he's got some game speed to him. Do you know what I mean? And um, yeah. you hope as. Now he's got a couple of touchdowns under his belt. He's got a start under his belt. He almost had that catch in overtime, which would have got them to midfield. Um, and, you know, yep. I don't know whether it was it, he should have caught it or actually it was probably more a fantastic play by the defensive back. Uh, so, you know, again, you've got to credit the Eagles for the plays that they made when they made them, even though they were on the ropes and even though the injuries and all the rest of it, they they did make plays when they had to. Um which, you know, sometimes you have to just say fair play to, to the other team. But, yeah, I think his T gets, you know, gets his confidence. There's no reason why he can't become that sort of downfield threat. Um, you look at Van I Jefferson, think... for instance, in Minnesota, who who's not the quickest guy out there, another rookie, but he's clicking with Cousins and he's scoring touchdowns down the field. So I think Higgins could be that guy if AJ doesn't step up. I think just last thought on it. I think Alex Erickson is clinging on a bit. I mean, he hasn't had any catches. I don't believe this season. And I mean, I get the point. I don't know if it's just to try and send a message to John Ross based on his attitude or performance or whatever you want to call it. But 
I don't see the sense really yesterday in having Alex Eriksson as active just to field a few punts when you've got other guys on the roster that can do it, be it Gio or whoever else. Um, to not just have Ross in your locker, to roll him out there, be even just purely as a decoy and just go run straight down the field, son, just try and, you know, make sure they know you're there. I just, I'm not sure what Ericsson is doing really at the moment in terms of a roster spot. And I think that whilst John Ross is, is you know, certainly not performing anywhere near what we want him to perform, I still wonder what, what he, what Ericsson's off giving us that he isn't, if you know what I mean. I mean, I've explained that awfully and got my words all mixed up. But, um, yeah, I I basically think that as much as, uh, of a hindrance as John Ross is, and incredibly frustrating, he just offers you more than Ericsson, and I'd much rather him, at least in some form, be available to us than on the sidelines. Well, there you go. Um, right, let's bring Lindsay in. And as promised, we have with us one of our old friends. Uh, she is one half of the... Cincinnati Inquirer's Bengals Beat podcast. She is a, a sports reporter for WKRQ, and she's she's been described as a media personality uh, by many in Cincinnati, and I'm happy to go with that. It's Lindsay Batson. Lindsay, hello. Hi guys, how are you doing? Mm. Okay, that's all I've got to say. Really, I'm okay after last. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. It, it kind of stings a little bit when you're. When you wake up from a game like that, and uh, it, 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 I'm still trying to process it. Really, what what were your thoughts during and after that game last night? I mean, it's almost like deja vu. I know all three of the games have been different, but you go to every single game, and there's moments. There's plenty of moments when you look at week one, week two, week three, that this team had a chance to close the door to even win that Browns game for how bad they looked defensively. They had opportunities in all three games to really just call it a game. I mean, you look at the Philadelphia Eagles game from the defensive pass interference two in a row, and then you had opportunities in the red zone to score touchdowns and, and you kick field goals. Um, it's just they're losing because they're beating themselves. And I think – I know yesterday was a tie, but it, but it feels like a loss for Cincinnati. I mean, there's not one person we talked to after the game that felt like they won that game or they or they, they tied that game and it was a good thing. Um, you always want to get a win and when you have those opportunities and because this team isn't getting blown out. I mean, you can look at the stats and be like, okay, well, they're not showing up. They can't stop the run. They can't get to the quarterback. But they're showing they can win games because they have a quarterback that can do it with a below average offensive line. And that has to be frustrating for a lot of guys in the locker room because there were a lot of his teammates yesterday besides Joe Burrow who stepped up. And it's just unfortunate that they couldn't get a result. Well, what, what was the feeling like with, I mean, I guess you're on the virtual press conferences with, with Zach and Joe. And I think Carlos, we don't get, we only get Zach and Joe as, as fan, mere fans, but I think you spoke to Carlos as well. And, what was the feeling? I mean, it's obviously still very raw after a game like that. Um, do, do you feel, I mean, even after 2-14, and 14, the locker room seemed really together last year. Um, do, you get that feel, do you get the feeling that same spirit is there this year? I would say after last week, they were frustrated. And, and then after the tie, they're just disappointed. I think they're all disappointed because 
the effort was there. Um, there were chances to capitalize. And it's just unfortunate because it sounds so football cliche, all, all the terms I'm using right now. But, but the team is frustrated because they can't find a way to close the game. And I know people will always say the good teams will find a way to win. And, and unfortunately, this team isn't good right now. And they, you could look at so many scenarios and situations and, and even go back to the Los Angeles Chargers game and say, well, if they would have never called that on AJ, would they have won that game? Um, if they could have stopped maybe Nick Chubb once in a Thursday night football game, would that outcome be different? And then you look at Sunday's game and there were plenty of opportunities. And unfortunately, they just couldn't finish it. And, and this team is sitting at a a tie right now and two losses <laughs> we're not the new york jets that's what we're kind of holding on to at the moment right yeah i mean that's that's a way to look at it i, I think it's just and i said it after the game and, I, and i'm usually not too uh negative and, and honest but i said it i said you, you can't look at this quarterback who who's giving everything you could ask for in a quarterback after three games it's hard for guys to live up to expectations and Joe Burrow's doing that right now and he's doing it with a bad offensive line and I said you can't look at this guy and say I feel confident in this offensive line because he's out there risking his life every single time and, and you can't affect a quarterback's development in his rookie year even if he's out there performing with what he has he can't keep taking those hits it's only week three right now and mm. he doesn't deserve it and, and and guys have to step up and do their job or, or the Cincinnati Bengals need to look internally and figure out what they're going to do to fix the solution yeah I mean obviously Twitter was a very angry place uh last night for Bengals fans lots of people kind of you know in the in the raw emotion straight after we're going to call it a defeat or a missed opportunity, shall we say. That's probably a better way of saying it. Because uh, I think a lot of people really thought that game was there for the taking last night, especially when they, how they were playing in the third quarter and into the fourth quarter. Um, a lot of people are blaming the offence. The offensive line you mentioned, I think that's there for all to see. Uh, a lot of people are you know, having to go at AJ Green. A lot of people are having to go at the defence. A lot of people are having to go at the coaching. And that's really the first, not the first time, but on mass, people are starting to question the coaching. Do you think, do you think Zach and Lou and Brian are on the hot seat? Is that seat, or at least it's getting warmer? I don't know if they're on the hot seat, and I'm not saying that that's fair or not, but I don't think they're on the hot seat yet. But I think it's fair because you look at what happened back in 2017 when you had you know, Ken Zampezi, and they decided, hey, we're, we're moving on from him as an offensive coordinator after giving that a little over a year experiment. So I think you, you, you have to start looking at who's responsible in those coaching rooms. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, they'll look at the offensive line and how bad it's playing. You have to ask, you know, what's going on in there with Jim Turner. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't, I don't know if coaches are, are on the hot seat or, or if it's warm yet. Um, it's just different in Cincinnati. I mean, as you know, you look at a guy like Marvin Lewis who had several chances um, to try and turn this around, and, and he was giving those. So I, I don't think that – I think that Zach Taylor will finish out this season, if not next year and, and the year after. But I, I just don't – I don't think the, the seat's warm yet. Not mm. yet. Not to say that's fair or not, but I don't think it is. Uh, let's talk about the offensive line because, as you say, I think most Bengals fans are thrilled with, with certainly the start that Joe Burrow is, has made. He looks certainly at home. Yesterday in that second half, he looked, you know, when there was 12, 13 completions in a row, he looked unbelievable. Like he wasn't going to miss a pass. It was unbelievable. Um, so something is clicking. They were giving him a little bit more time back there. They obviously made some adjustments at halftime. 
But then later on in the fourth quarter, specifically in overtime and late in that fourth quarter, um, the offensive line seemed to sort of regress quite spectacularly and suddenly. Um, what do you do with this offensive line? Because there's no nowhere else to go, really, in terms of personnel or anything like that, is there? I know. I think a lot of people think, well, you have a loaded wide receiver room, so why not trade John Ross somewhere? I mean, you have to have a willing participant to be willing to trade you someone who, who is above average or, or even average in some areas for an offensive line to really kind of make that work. I think, honestly, this team has said what they thought of this offensive line. They get Hakeem Adeniji late in the NFL draft, and that's when they start to really focus on the offensive line. And you could say when you look in there, maybe there weren't guys that they felt were going to be better than what they have. But it's fair to look in the room, and, and they're obviously trying to make internal adjustments when they gave the Fred Johnson experiment out at right guard. That didn't work. So they make the adjustment after halftime to put Billy Price back out there. He did a little better, but he still struggled out there. I think you have guys in the locker room like Shaq Calhoun, who you put a waiver claim on. And it doesn't hurt at this moment to try it because some could say, oh, you know, how's that going to adjust with the chemistry of the offensive line? Well, Joe Burrow's on his back. So you got to figure out a way to get someone out there. And if you're going to go internally, look in your locker room right now. Why not put a guy like Hakeem Adeniji out there? I talked to guys who worked with him during his draft development. He worked on the left and the right side. It doesn't hurt to give it a try because at this moment, you can't keep doing that to your quarterback. So I think you look at a guy like Hakeem Adeniji, Shaq Calhoun, and if you want to go outside the organization, you got to get a plane, you got to be on that phone, but you also have to have a willing participant just because you have John Ross on the roster, a wide receiver who some could say, help another team. I don't think you put a resume up enough to, to show a team, I can be a real big part of your offense. He, he can't stay healthy, and when he is healthy, he can't catch the football. So I, I think it's easy to say, well, what about this scenario or, or play GM? Um, but at the moment, it seems like this team wants to stay internal, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but mm. I, I think it doesn't hurt to play to play the guys on your roster that you that you went after. Um, what about the defense? Because I thought they played okay last uh, yesterday. Um, they actually got some pressure on the quarterback. They there were I think there was like eight tackles for loss or something like that, and three sacks, and um, you know obviously put Carson Wentz under pressure quite a lot. Uh, the corners played much better. There were some turnovers. Everything we kind of asked the defense to be, it was, it was yesterday. Apart from that last drive, like as you say, with those those silly mental errors and you know the final final touchdown uh, where Carson Wentz ran it in. And um, what's your views on the defense and how they played yesterday? Yeah, they did look better. Um, I know Jesse Bates told us after the Thursday night football game that they had a really long conversation of, of things that they needed to fix. And he said, if guys, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, if they're not on board, then they're not going to be here very much longer. He said it was, a, it was a pretty hard conversation to have, but there are a lot of guys who, who you're getting, you know, performance from. You can even look at the defensive line right now. They are without Geno Adkins. But you have a guy like DJ Reader who you picked up in the offseason, and he's really picking it up out there. We saw more from Carlos Dunlap, Sam Hubbard, Carl Lawson yesterday had himself a game and it's unfortunate because after that game the only thing you remember is oh they tied the football game they couldn't get it done so mm -hmm. I, I think it's it's unfortunate because you want those um, defensive pass interference calls back um they were caught they were places they didn't need to do because mm -hmm. they weren't catchable ball um okay so where where does this team go because because i keep 
I, they're confusing me. It didn't take an awful lot, but they're confusing me now because, like you say, there, there's plenty of fantastic moments during games where you think, hold on a minute, this is, they look like a proper team. Um, I guess it's just all a matter of just putting it all together, right? That's, that's got to be the goal going forward. Honestly, it's all, it's it's getting it all together, but it but it's learning how to finish a football game. Yeah. I mean, again, you look at all three of these games, and and the team couldn't finish when they had a chance to. And I think putting all of that together and stop beating themselves. Mm. Um, you know, yeah, they played some some pretty high quality competition on the defensive line when you look at week one and week two, and they've just got to figure out a way when they're in the red zone. They they, they got to get six points. They can't they can't settle for field goals. I mean, Tyler Boyd told us that after the game. That's not going to win games. Touchdowns win games. And how many times can you look at those red zone opportunities and be like, you have all the playmakers in the world. And, and, and they have to figure out a way to balance their offense. If they can't get a goal with Joe Mixon on the ground, and I know the biggest thing was running the ball early because you don't want to play from behind. Mm. And then you got a guy like Joe Burrow who wants to get in rhythm and throw early. So you, you got to figure out a way to balance that. Mm. Um, and, and, and everyone can look at the offensive line and be like, ah, it's because that's, that's why Joe Mixon can't get it going. Joe Mixon has been able to get it going against some pretty bad offensive lines. And you mm. had Jonah Williams in there, and I'd say it's a little bit better than last season. Um, but I, I just think it's, it's finding a way to balance it. But, but they're just losing to themselves. Mm. And that's, that, that's going to get frustrating. And I know these guys are they're frustrated and they're exhausted. Even the new faces that are in there are like, we, we got to figure out a way to put it all together. And, and that's in all three phases for yeah. this team. Yeah, I, I think that's the frustrating thing, isn't it? Because when you see Burrow throw the ball, he, again, as I said earlier, he looks as though he, he's not going to miss passes, mm -hmm. you know. And how often have have we said that in the past, you know, with all due respect to Andy? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's tricky, really, isn't it? I mean, old to be a coach and a, a GM and all the rest of it. Um, what are you expecting from the rest of the do you, do you expect them to click uh, together at some point and finish sort of fairly respectably? Yeah, before the season, I had them about five to six wins. Um, and I think you would take that right now if, if you look at how the season is going. The season was never going to be about wins and losses. It just wasn't. I know that's, that's frustrating for people to hear because you get all these new pieces and this exciting quarterback and you think, oh, they can compete. They're in the AFC North, and it's not going to be easy. I mean, you look at all three teams and, and the Ravens play tonight. If they win – they all have winning records except for the Cincinnati Bengals. So it's not going to be easy. It is about development. It's also about protecting your quarterback. And I think if you can get out of this season with about five or six, maybe five now wins, I think you'd be really happy. And then they got to go heavy in the off season and I'm not breaking any records, obviously um, figure out a way to protect Joe Burrow because he can't go through this again. And he can't honestly go through what he's gone through in the last, three weeks the rest of the season so this this is it's about it's about a lot of these younger guys you know finding their way and you have you know if you were trying to find a positive you look at a guy like t higgins if if this is it for aj green t higgins they drafted him for a reason and, and he's really shown he's showing up and, and they're putting him out there and they're not afraid to put the rookie out there and i think you know you, you get that out of him and that's that's some optimism if you wanted to find it offensively uh from him and tyler boyd mm, no i agree i think there are Causes for optimism, definitely. Um, it's just, uh, they've just got to, I don't know what they've got to do, but they've just got to do it, basically. <laughs> uh, all right, just got to do something. I don't know what, they, like you said, they've just got to learn how to win. And I don't know how you get a team to do that. 
you know, um, whether it's detail orientated, a mindset thing, or whether it's a play calling thing and preparation thing, I don't know. It's, it's beyond my, my small brain, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they do. They just have to stop shooting themselves in the foot. And I think that they would all say that, you know, if it's a mentality issue um, or, or just learning how to finish a game. I think that's what you can take away from all three of these games so far. Mm. No, I agree. Lindsay, we'll leave it there. Uh, I know that you're waiting to go into work. So thank you so much for joining us again. You're a star. Uh, we love you over here. So thank you. And we'll speak to you soon. Thanks for dealing with my crazy schedule. Always good to talk to you guys. There you go. That's uh, Lindsay Patterson. We always enjoy speaking with her on the podcast. And you know, Nathan, Lindsay has been with us pretty much right from the start. She was our second ever guest on this podcast uh about 100 episodes ago how crazy is that yeah incredible i mean i always remember that um that interview as well and a massive for her to come on a few more times and add some excellent value to the pod absolutely and it you know dave lapper's not the only one getting angry with the bengals i mean Lindsay was as I say characteristically mild-mannered and, and objective as a, any good journalist should be and even she was getting a bit angry there so you know it's it's difficult to remain calm when there's so much talent on the team and they're just you know there's one or two elements key elements in this team just not doing their job let's get to the correspondence there's a lot of them so i'm going to try and get through as many as i can duncan eden at slam dunk the funk solid handle the td prior to ht is on bullock oh, i forgot to mention rand is terrible a kick out of bounds. Um, that's his second big mistake in three games, Duncan says. He needs to go. Eagles start from their own 20-30-yard line. They don't score before halftime. O-line left is adequate. Right is garbage. And I'm bored of this killing us and Joey B every week. Time for changes. Bengals protecting Joe Burrow like a Ferrari driver, leaving it unlocked, engine running whilst nipping into the shop for a newspaper. It's going to end in tears. How many years have we said the O-line is shocking? Still no improvement, and Zach and coaches have to be accountable. I think it's all fair points. Rosie at Rosie underscore May 16. Always positives with Burrow, but getting more worried each week he'll get an injury. The O-line is to blame, but I think it lies with the coaching. And we need to just get rid of Turner now. If we continue like this, I expect a full coaching revamp. There you go. Do you think Turner's going to go, Sam? Well, I was going to say, they're they're in trouble personnel-wise. The only thing that they can do is bring in a new coach, that um, position coach. But again, in the middle of the season, when do you do it? Maybe they watch it around the bye week. There could be some movement around the bye week if things still go... Badly. Ben at BTJ Ward. As a non-Bengal fan, I only have positive things to say about Burrow. I don't know how the guy is so composed under pressure as a rookie and his accuracy is unfair. Just wanted to throw in some positivity, as I know yesterday's game was a tough one. You're not bloody joking, Ben, but thank you. Uh, (laughs) Killian at Malloy00. The good, the bad and the ugly, the good, another solid day from Burrow. Big day for Board and T. Higgins. The bad, had loads of chances to kill the game in the fourth quarter and OT. The ugly, the O-line, it's terrible. Need I say more? Um, no, you don't really, Killian. Um, Oliver at Dragonics. 
Um, Solid handle. The D, while still flimsy, at least had a few explosive plays, which is nice to see. O-line is still a shambles. Even Billy Price reverted to being Billy Price towards the end with a hold and a sack give up. We ain't winning anything when teams can get to Burrow with such ease. Uh, Jamie at Trequart Bista. I love Joe Burrow, but feel so sorry for him having to play on his on this clown car of a team. Dreadful coaching. Taylor out. Turner out. Anaruma out. Tobin out. Make changes fast and en masse. Tear off the plaster quickly and get on with building for the future now instead of waiting. These coaches do not deserve time. These coaches do not deserve patience. <laughs> they are holding us back and the team is suffering. Jamie's got his bazooka out there, and he? he might as well turn up at Paul Brown Stadium and just fire it directly into the head office. I mean, he's going for the Bengals there, isn't he? <laughs> John Lucarotti at Living La Vida Luca. Um, Solid handle. Lots of stuff being written about the physical strain and burrow of getting flattened 73 times every week, which is admittedly not a good thing. But I'm more concerned about the impact of not winning on his steely determination. At what point does that will to win just fade away? It's a good point, John. What we talked about earlier, it's not just the physical side of things. It's the mental side of things. You look at what's happened to Sam Darnold. Uh, Such a shame, but, you know. You look what happened to Carson Palmer when he was here. I mean, quarterback, I mean, Joe Burrow, he said last week, he's I've never lost two games before in my life. And that guy is athletically gifted. He's yes. mentally gifted. I'm not saying, I'm by no means saying that he's going to give up on the Bengals or do what, anything like what Carson Palmer did. But it's going to piss him off. And most, hopefully he can channel that the right way. But... If he's if he's unhappy with the coming, mean, he had by all accounts he was absolutely enamoured at LSU. He loved the coaching staff, he loved the players, he loved the fans, he loved everything, and they won everything. That's what he's used to. And I think that if he's looking around the room at Jim Turner, Zach Taylor, um, Brian Callahan, and he's a bit like, ah, oh, this, this is shit. Hmm. Like he's a professional and he's a rookie, so you know, watch your tongue, son. But I, it's a great point. Uh, is that going to weigh on him at a certain point? You bloody hope it doesn't, you no, know, because he's he is the one thing we've got that we know is right. And about the only thing we've got, I think, at the moment that we can all fundamentally agree is right. So it's imperative we look after him. It's, it is like that Ferrari, like Duncan said. We've just got to keep it, keep locked. it clean and keep it in our hands. Yeah, locked. Yeah. <laughs> Ken Davies at Ken S. Davies. Without an O-line, there can be no offence. However well the defence plays, I am optimistic about the defence. But the decision to focus on building the defence at the expense of the O-line when you have a new incoming franchise quarterback was unforgivable. I think that echoes a lot of people. Simon Hunter at Simon Hunter underscore. I tweeted this yesterday, but we've beaten two teams in the last year and their head coaches were Adam Gase, 0-3 this season, and Freddie Kitchens was fired, being 0-10 Owen 10 and 1 in one score games is because the coaching is below average. The seat is warm for ZT. Andy Bennett positives the ser- sorry at Bennett Karu uh, but positives the series of plays Borough hitting Boyd, T getting two, and AJ able to compete more. The D coat was Sanders better than I thought they would. Phil Hatton at Bengal Blue Boy, five good. We didn't lose. I take that more positively than I did last night. Number two, Burrow. Number three, Boyd. Number four, linebackers flashed. Number five, turnovers. And a bit of a pass rush at last. Five bad. OL. 
obviously, but Zach seemed genuinely frustrated with it, so maybe a change coming. Number two, mixing. Number three, play calls. Number four, continuing to make key mistakes at key times. Been happening for years. Number five, the Eagles. Um, Michael Fisher at Cosmic Sausage 77. Solid handle. Basically, two defensive drives at the end of either half killed us. First started with the uh, kick out of bounds and second littered with penalties. It's worrying how easily the defence capitulated when the game was on the line and we needed a stand. Uh, what else? Uh, any more for any more? Uh, Jen at U1 Science. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's not a solid handle, but it's interesting. I like that one. I'm going to give it a solid handle. The talent on the O-line isn't great. We'll heart to every bench. But the coaching of the line is non-existent. Look at the schemes for run plays. And Jen does schemes in inverted commas. Uh, DC also has to go too much soft zone. And Taylor shouldn't be calling plays. The team isn't terrible. The coaching is. There you go. Jen giving it to us both barrels. All at Armaduke Panache. Solid handle. Good job I've slept on it because yesterday I was spitting feathers. Pathetic. Shameful. Both teams' lack of ambition was disgusting. Eagles should have gone for two to save us from that OT garbage just so they should have let Joe throw versus the Chargers. D scheme is useless, especially at the end of half situations. Legit, I would take Marvin back as DC. Wade Phillips is available or get Dan Quinn soon as he is fired in Atlanta. Zach's USP was meant to be similar to the way McVeigh gets cup more open than a 24-hour Tesco, but we see none of this. Fine, <laughs> he carries on. He's on. He's on. The 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 armor Duke is is carrying on. Fine, the line is a chocolate. The fine, the line is a chocolate teapot. But I don't see how the coaching staff are helping our beautiful Joe boy in any way. Burrow will go the way of David Carr RG3 if they don't do something about the battering he gets week after week. I'm going for a lie down until 2024. Well, <laughs> what can you say? Martin Greer and Martin Greer 73. I quite enjoyed the game, stroke tension, and thought we looked like winning at one stage. Bengals have covered the opening line in all three games, so at least some of us are getting the money. Who day? Congrats on 100 episodes. Thank you, uh, Martin. Um, Rich Arnold at rj arnold 90 we've lost two games by five or fewer points and tied the third i'm not losing my mind just yet different story if we're getting smashed we have to accept that we're a poor team building for the future zach's a young coach still learning just hope he's a fast learner and i think we'll end on that we've got messages from nigel granger at fleet risk uh dave cass come on at come on didier solid um, handle and I think they echo, Dave and Nigel kind of echo the same sort of things. Uh, Ian Black, I, Sunshine Black, uh, is, t th thinks T Higgins is going to be a superstar. Alex McQueen at Queenie1993, I think pretty much everything bad in that game boils down to two things, the offensive line and confidence. This is a team, to me, that doesn't look like it believes that they can close out these types of games, both players and coaches. Find a way to win one of these games, and I think I will do. It will do wonders going forward. My positive young players stepping up, stroke improved. So you know, lots of angry folk, 
people not liking the coaching, people definitely not liking the offensive line, but also people being, I think they've slept on it and they've realised that you know there's a few positive things going on here and we are in complete rebuild mode, really, I think. Um, although that doesn't think... forgive them for not being competitive. But uh, you know what? They have been competitive, I think. It's just that offensive I line. Think... We've got to get that offensive line sorted. Yeah, I think to sort of, I mean, it's interesting as well how many, how much correspondence we've had this evening because I think it really echoes how people are feeling. There's a lot of frustration there. I mean, there's also, I think the thing for fans at the moment is there's a lot of hope. I mean, you've got Joe Burrow. You've got the hardest position in football to fill is the quarterback. And you've got this quarterback that is everything you'd have wanted if you'd have said you wanted to build your own quarterback on like create your own player on Madden. Like he's everything you'd want. He's a fantastic player and we're we're very lucky to have him. I think this season for me, we know we're not going anywhere really this season, which is quite hard to accept as a you know, um, as a fan, but alas, the thing for me to just establish for the end of this year that needs to be established and we need to just stick with it one way or the other, Zach Taylor is this is his job interview for the future because going I, I cannot afford to have next season with Taylor and then decide that enough is enough. I think this year he's got to get enough out of this team that it's clear and obvious why we should keep him, along with his staff, along with um, the coordinators, the line coaches, the positional coaches, whatever you, whoever you want to refer to. They're all fighting for their jobs at the moment. You know, Joe Burrow is going to make them look better. But... The job of the head coach, as you said earlier, son, it's to make the team better. It's to get the best out of everyone. It's be it Randy Bullock, be it Clark Harris, be it, you know, Akeem Davis Gaffey. It doesn't matter. And I think that at the end of this season, I mean, every single person we asked to give a season prediction for, no one had us losing, um, sorry, yeah, losing, winning less than, should I say, six games. Everyone was sort of, you know, Six and ten, seven and nine, eight and eight. A few people in there with nine and sevens, being a bit optimistic. I think there was even the odd ten and six. I think if if they don't win six, seven games and look good doing it, I think you've got to. That's what for me where it really you run out of patience. And there's talent on that team. They've invested in some good free agents. DJ Reader looks fantastic. Mackenzie Alexander, as you said, had a good game. There's some good players there. I think it's just a real audition. And Taylor, it doesn't matter if we go 0-15-1. Uh, Taylor's going to get to the end of the season. There's not going to be any... Um, he's, his job is safe to the end of the season. It'll be interesting from the coordinator side of the ball if they decide to make any changes there. I wouldn't be shocked. Um, I don't think changing Jim Turner, even though it's a, be a popular move... It won't have any impact. You're not. It doesn't matter if you bring in Willie Anderson. It doesn't matter if you bring in Andrew Whitworth to coach them. I don't think that line's going to be playing. You know, they are who they are. You, coaching takes time to implement. It, it's not going to improve overnight. So, yeah, it's up to them. It, the, the coaching staff have gotten to the end of the season and they've got to show us as fans, it's not just winning. It's, that's not about the wins. We'll win some games. It's about how we look and if we've got the confidence that the game plan schemes, players improving, the morale, everything that goes into a team, that's got to look good because we can't afford a third year where this is a problem. Well, there we go. Uh, and I still think we'll beat the Jags this week. <laughs> I do. Even though the Jags have, have we should. Even though the Jags have shown signs of life and they've got some good young players, I, I think you know 
I hope that we can pull this one out of the bag. It's you know what I had uh, us winning against the Chargers, losing against the Browns, and losing against the Eagles. Uh, what are they now? Oh two and one. So, and I had us winning against the Jags. So I'm going to revise my end of season prediction. I'm going to go for five ten and one at the end of the season. I think you're probably pretty close with that. I think for me, I'd say we'd be four or five wins. I think, yeah. um, which would be, I, we we got talent. Like I said, we'll win four or five games. I think. Um, I mean, we got we got to beat the Jags, and we. I mean, the Jags. Are, you're at home. I think the Bengals on Sunday will probably be the favourites in that game by a, mm. by a thread, and I think probably yeah, they the are. They're favourites by three, I believe. Yeah. Probably the favourites for, for the first time in years. Yeah, like, I can't remember the last time we were favoured in a game. So, yeah, it, we've got to win that game. So you got the Ravens on the road after that, and you can. I don't think anyone is going to fancy us in that. So no. we've just got to get that win sooner rather than later. It, 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 it might just, you know, a couple of our correspondents. That's not the right word. What's the plural? People that correspondents. 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 There yeah. you go. A couple of them said it. A win goes a long way. It'll build the confidence and it changes the culture in that locker room, I think. So, big, big game on Sunday, as they all are. Absolutely. Um, I think that's about it for now. Um, thank you very much for listening once again. A uh, huge thanks to Lindsay Patterson for joining us once again. You can get in touch with us once again at today underscore UK on Twitter, Bengals UK on Facebook. You can watch our YouTube channel, which is just Bengals UK on YouTube. Uh, we'll be carrying on with the online tailgates. There. That's back on Sunday at 4.30pm. So it's all going on. Uh, so uh, I hope that has exercised some rage. I hope uh, that has sort of made sense. It's all been a bit frantic, isn't it? Lots of stuff to get off our chests. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's just hope we get that win on Sunday. And, of course, fans will be back in the stadium as well. I bet some of our well-known uh, fan friends over in Cincinnati uh, can't wait for that. But until then, until next week, it is a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.